0: house bar dearly father thank you for bringing us together this evening thank you for keeping this place of worship available to us as a congregation we know nothing is guaranteed father in this world so we're very appreciative for your mercy your grace your love thank you for this congregation father that we are able to fellowship together this way love each other to care about each other to look after each other father what a blessing it's been we do pray for those in the congregation that can't be with us this evening we pray for those that are still lost without hope that they be saved before it's too late we are most grateful and thankful of course for your son's work on the cross to cancel out that debt and to make an evening like this such a wonderful time of worship. We do just ask for your blessings on this evening's message. May it be edifying for our souls. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit we do pray. Amen. Hey, what's, where's, uh, how's Jane doing? Oh, I see how it is. Jane. anyways proverbs 17 wisdom part 74. this week's blog is titled up here on the board the more i love read it do yourself a really big favor and read it between this week's blog and last week's blog which is titled the practical road to peace well the spirit's given us a lot to think about Just as an observation, lately if you felt the pulpit messages have been stern or even a bit disciplinary in nature, then just know that the blogs specifically have been ointment for whatever bruises the Spirit may have given you. My point is that you're missing out on a lot of wonderful encouragement if you're not reading or listening to the blogs. I've made it very easy. You don't even have to read them anymore. I will read them to you. What else I got to do, show up at your house? (laughs) You sit there, here, here's some tea and some biscuits. Let me just read to you. You'll be missing out an awful lot. And I know for a fact that some of you need it. You know, some of these messages have been pretty heavy. And when they're heavy like that, you need that sort of ointment after. And it's been coming in the form of blogs. So, on Sunday, the Spirit began with this point. How can we be more obedient? How can we be more obedient? The Spirit wants us to think openly about this question because, as we've learned, if we're obedient, we walk in the light and therefore expect to bear the fruit of righteousness. If we're obedient, we walk in the light, experientially speaking, of course, and therefore expect to bear the fruit of righteousness. Which, according to Hebrews 12.11, is at its core, peace. Up here on the board, Hebrews 12.11. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. The peaceful fruit of righteousness. We concluded on Sunday up here on the board. Obedience, also known as righteousness, means peace. And I like the way the Spirit's got that because you might say, wait a minute, obedience and righteousness are the same? Pretty much. Because all obedience really is is orienting to God. And God is perfectly righteous. So that's why they're the same thing instead of it looking like some kind of an oppressive adolescent you know, response to a commandment, look at it as an opportunity to orient to God who is righteous, who is righteousness. So obedience and righteousness, they're pretty much the same thing. And that means peace. So says Holy Scripture. And I said this on Sunday, but commit this to your memory like right now. Obedience, also known as righteousness, means peace. The thing that is so great about obedience is that in order to abide in it, truly, we have to keep it practical. We have to keep it practical. And that's one of my favorite things about this ministry is that the Spirit never lets us off the hook. Right? He doesn't just say, I want you to know theology proper. Because there's a lot of people, including and angels like Satan, who know theology proper. Doesn't mean they live in it, but they certainly do know it. And so I love that about this ministry because the Spirit says you've got to keep it practical. If you want your obedience to be true, if you want it to be true righteousness, if you want to truly be oriented to God, then you read, you know, Romans 12:1 where you give your entire life. That's your form of worship. You give all of you. You're all in with him. That's what makes obedience righteousness. Because he's not after your brain necessarily. That's a part of it, but he's not just after your knowledge. He wants you. So, this concept of practicality has been at the forefront of this ministry for years now. Years. I'll share an email I received from our brother Kingsley up in Canada not too long ago. It read, Thank you so much, Pastor Ed, for the challenging message of today, getting to the other side of grace. I think we had seven parts on that, if you recall. It was just before, maybe just before Resurrection Sunday, I think, or just after. But he said, thank you so much, Pastor Ed, for the challenging message of today, getting to the other side of grace. Everything the Holy Spirit used you to teach this morning, nothing new under the sun, gratitude, danger of self-centeredness, etc., are exactly true. Not only to me, but to most in the body of Christ. It is humbling. Each weekday and on Sundays, as I pay attention to your teachings, I realize that your objective is centered on practical Christianity and not just the theorists we have in various pulpits today. I realize that your objective is centered on practical Christianity I almost wrote a book called practical practical Christianity maybe someday he'll have me write it anyways but it certainly has been one of the major themes of this ministry practical Christianity not just the theorists we have in various pulpits today keep up the good work Kingsley Edmonton Alberta Canada I think He was here at one point, right, with his children and his his family. Good man. You see, these kinds of comments let me know that people are paying attention to the big picture, not just going through the motions. That someone's taking the time and stepping back and saying, Ah, I see what's going on here. This is about practical Christianity. And that's how I really know that someone's paying attention. Not just going through the motions, not just you know iterating. Go to church, go home, forget about it. Go to church, go home, forget about it. Go, read a blog, go back to your whatever, forget about it. You know it's this iterative process, and nothing gels. Nothing's you know it's like the loose shoestring. You got to pull that shoestring together to tighten it up, right? You got to pull it together. You got to spend some time pulling it together, massaging. You know like when you get a new sneaker, you got to like do that thing where you start at the very bottom. You got to it and pull it and pull it that's what you got to do with these messages you got to work work it out right you got to work it out work through it tighten the you know tighten the spend time with it let it marinate go fellowship go meditate however you'd like to think about it but that's how you'll see the big picture and that's how I know that Kingsley is doing just that food for thought this got me thinking as I was preparing this message, I find there are a lot of drama queens and drama kings. Yes, men can be drama addicts too, so let's be fair. I find there are a lot of drama queens and drama kings, and well, these are the same people who struggle with the big picture, struggle seeing it. Why? Well, I'll share what I've discerned so far in my own walk and as a pastor here for over a decade now. These drama kings and queens spend the majority or at least most of their time spun up in the latest drama. And that's their norm. Their norm is not peace and contentment and just, you know. Their norm is drama. And they spend most of their time preoccupied with themselves, which is why whenever you talk to them, all they do is either bleed all over you or complain about life in general. These folks aren't only a drag for the rest of us, they are guaranteeing themselves another day of misery for as long as they remain a drama king or a drama queen. They're literally guaranteed misery for as long as they remain in that condition. I'd go so far to say that there's an entire economy an entire economy of drama in this world, especially perpetuated by the news and media. But as I've taught so many times in the past, you know, Economics 101 says without demand there'd be no need for supply. In other words, this little drama economy, it's not little, but I say that tongue in cheek, this little drama economy exists because many people thirst for it. But here's my discernment on this topic, so please listen up. Because these folks spend so much time hyper-focused on their daily dramas, they fail to see the big picture. Because it's just this hyper-focused dysfunction, junction, this thing, daily, constantly, they fail to see the big picture. And the visual that comes to mind is the person who falls into a deep pit and can't see out of it because the edges are too high. Imagine that. Not like a pit like right here, but a pit that is right here. You can't even see out peripheral, right? You can't see out of it. They never receive the blessing of being able to turn around 360 degrees and breathe in God's incredible creation because they're in a pit. They miss out on life itself because they're too busy wallowing in self-pity or despair that, frankly, exists because of their own desire for drama. I hope this makes sense. Here's the summary before we move on up here on the board. Self-absorption precludes big-picture thinking. Don't even read any further, just think about that for a moment. Self-absorption precludes big picture thinking. In other words, if your sight is only turned in, what do you see from without? What about the big picture? You only see the little picture, which is your own drama. And that's where you spend all your time looking at yourself, turned in on yourself. You never see the big picture, so this precludes this. That's the point. Drama kings and queens spend too much time hyper-focused on themselves and their own problems. This is a very sticky form of dysfunction that destroys any real hope of stepping back and seeing the big picture. Again, drama kings and queens spend too much time hyper-focused on themselves and their own problems. This is a very sticky form of dysfunction that destroys any real hope of stepping back and seeing the big picture. The people that I've known, whose minds have been, let's say, blown away over the past five years or so, from this ministry are the ones who actually do see what Kingsley, who's not even here, obviously sees, the big picture. Pretty much every time I've ever talked to someone about how their brain, their mind, their heart has been blown away by the things they've learned just in the last five years. It's because they're starting to see the big picture, the forest through the trees which makes reading their Bible, like, not just simple, but thoroughly enjoyable. Because now their whole Bible has context. Before, they would iterate in it. They'd read a chapter, they'd walk away, go, I have no idea how that connects, forget it. They'd read a chapter, they'd walk away, I have no idea how that connects, forget it. Now they're enthralled with reading their Bibles. Now they see the big picture. Now when they read their Bibles, it it edifies, it builds up, it gives clarity to that big picture, right? What used to be a black and white scene is now full color and their mind is blown. But that does not happen to a person who's always turned inwards and is self-absorbed and is stuck and as a drama king or a drama queen is stuck in this cycle and in this entire economy in this world. Of course the kingdom of darkness promotes that very thing. Of course it does. Why? Because it keeps you from glorifying God. And so it spins up media and and social media and, uh, you know, all the things that keep people in these pits. You know, you're walking along, I was doing so good. And then you see someone's avatar on Facebook and there you go. Right? I wish my life was as good as Jimmy Bob Job Thorne, right? He look at him, right? And he, he's like photoshopped. He's got like a 13-inch waist and a 60-inch chest with 17,000 abs, right? Looks like one of those bald cats. Just just came out of the womb like that. Like a, like a, you know, GQ freak. And you were doing so good until you went on social media and saw, you know, whoever or whatever and, and somehow got convinced that your life was just plain terrible because you're not like that. Your life isn't like that. And so you turn in on yourself, you, big, you dig a, a ditch, and the next thing you know, you, your eyes are not on the big picture. You're not glorifying God. You're not set free. You're in bondage again. So it's true. The people I've known whose minds have been blown away see the big picture. And more specifically, that the practical side of obedience, the practical side of obedience is what really matters. Not how much you can regurgitate Holy Scripture. Not how many fancy, highfalutin theological words you can spit out of your mouth at a party with your pinky sticking out. None of that garbage. That doesn't get you anywhere. In my experience, and having been there and done that, and had my own vernacular, my own lexicon when it came to theology, thank you very much, was that it was a waste of time. Because the vast majority of the words that I took the time to memorize don't even show up in the Bible. And all they really are is whips for people that don't have the time or the inclination, thank you God, to do something so stupid like trying to be a doctrinal giant or spending all their time trying to learn stuff when their neighbor is in need. When their child needs them. You get it? When the church needs a little extra boost, they're nowhere to be found. And they'll tell you, Oh, but I know my scripture. But do you though? Didn't Jesus have choice words for the Pharisees? He said, You are trying to find it you're trying to find life in Scripture. The scripture's about me. You're going to the wrong well. Yeah. You see what I'm getting at? More specifically, the practical side of obedience is what really matters. I don't care. God doesn't care. That's a better way to say it. Whether or not you can regurgitate entire books in Holy Scripture. He wants your heart. He wants all of you. Whatever that looks like, whatever that manifests like, however He's built you, look, not everybody has the same IQ. Do you follow? Not everybody can learn really complex theology and big words and you know stuff like that. And God said, that, that's great because that's exactly how I built them. They only have an ADIQ. They're never going to learn that stuff. Great. Guess what? They don't need it. To know and love Jesus Christ, they don't need it. In many ways, being a, a very intelligent individual is a, uh, a test. I almost said a curse, but that's not fair. Is a test. It's like when God says, all right, I'm going to take this one and make them super rich. Right? It's a test. I would would venture to guess that just about everybody in here, if you won $10 million tonight, I'd be afraid for you. I'm for real. I'd be afraid that you'd end up in a ditch somewhere or make some really bad decisions because you don't have the capacity for it. It's a huge test. So the things, we, the, the things that the world holds up as blessings, they're usually tests. Think about that. But anyways, practical, the practical side of obedience is what really matters. Here's a couple of alternative translations of James 1.22. First one in the Amplified up here on the board, James 1.22, "...but prove yourselves doers of the word, actively and continually obeying God's precepts, and not merely listeners who hear the word but fail to internalize its meaning, deluding yourselves by unsound reasoning contrary to the truth." And the second translation up here on the board is from the New Living Translation, "...but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. You must do what it says. Now, getting back on track with our message here, what's the big picture perspective been lately up here on the board? Obedience, also known as righteousness, means peace. So commit this to your memory, like now. Obedience means peace. You want peace in your life? Obey God. Right? What did it, what it, God, I think it's in Romans, I forget, somewhere in the late latter part of Romans 12, maybe or something like that, 13, 14, somewhere in there. Who uh, ordained all authority? God. It says it in Holy Scripture. So if you're one of these people that watches the news and all you do is curse the the President out, and you spend all your time, what, arguing minimally in your head, if not picking up the phone and having stupid conversations with other morons? If you're one of those people, you lose out. Because God says, I put that person there. Yeah, I know they're a knucklehead, if they are, but I put them there, and I'm telling you to obey just like he put me here. And some of you are like, yeah, you're a knucklehead. Fine. But what does he say? Obey. Submit. You do what you're responsible for. You Let me worry about what I'm responsible for. You let God take care of the rest. People that argue with even anything that God ordains, they lose out. That's the point. You lose because you're disobedient if he says obey then you obey but there did he stutter no no he didn't he said it very clearly obey submit but wives i think i think of wives all the time you poor ladies sometimes married to these men right we're all idiots i'm not saying these men like it's not me men we're all flawed idiots right and these poor ladies have to submit to us. And it would be really easy. I know if I was her or one of the ladies, I'd be like, this dude's a joke. <laughs> this, this guy's ridiculous. You know, maybe not all the time, but you know what I'm saying, right? I'm not. There's no way. I can't submit to this guy. He's, he's not worthy. Ugh. You want to meet an unhappy woman? It's that one. Because then she goes along and says, well, I'm going to stop wearing the pants in the family then. And then she goes and keeps going with that thread. And now she's someone she shouldn't be. And now her kids are all confused. They turn out to be little tyrants. You follow what I'm getting at? If God says obey and you want to to have peace in your life, then you're ready? Then obey. No buts. Don't be a Budinsky guy. But, no, put it away. Put it away. Honestly, you'll be better off. Try it out. See if, see if God's a liar. Do you recall what the topics of the past two blogs have been, including this week's? Peace and love. Love and peace. Those are the two topics. What's the greatest commandment of all that Jesus has placed on us to love the greatest commandment is to love and what do we receive when we obey this commandment to love peace you see how that works you see how it works instead of saying man our president's a loser, or as an idiot, or blah, but how about you love him? You don't have to love him personally, but love him enough to respect his position, enough to, I don't know, stop being a drag. Ladies, same thing. Instead of biting off your husband's head every time he makes a mistake, which never helps, by the way, because you're his help not his destroyer. You're there to support him, not to rip him down. Instead of doing that thing, love him. Men, same thing. So your wife's not perfect. Whoa, 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 stop the presses. Are you serious? But but I wanted to marry this little trophy wife, you know, that just looked good, and I pulled her out during parties, and then I put her back, and she shut up. <laughs> right? No, she's a living, breathing Flawed individual. She's got to make mistakes, too. Instead of going to work and saying, I got the ball in shade. How about saying something nice about your wife to others? Honestly. See what it does for you. Honestly. See what it does for you in that moment. Hey, that felt pretty good. I actually said something nice about my wife. How many drama kings and queens do you know who are truly at peace? I'll leave you, I'm going to sip of my tea over here. How many drama kings and queens do you know that are truly at peace? None that I know, not one. Not one. I hope you get the connection. To reiterate, James' sentiments simply stated up here in the board, James 1.22 in the New Living Translation, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. Here's the passage we read last time that helps with this. Go to Galatians 5.13. Galatians 5.13. So much to be had, to be enjoyed. That's all God wants for you. And He's so gracious, He tells you how to get there. He says, I'm going to lay this whole thing out for you. There's a pathway to peace. It's called righteousness. And the way you get there is to obey. You orient to my righteousness. And lo and behold, you get peace. Galatians 5.13, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do So somewhere deep inside that new creature if you're saved you have a new creature All that new creature wants to do is be pleasing to the Lord, to our Master. So part of you wants to do that thing, but you've had that awful roommate, the flesh, that keeps you from doing the things you want to do. From walking, that practical form of obedience. Because your human flesh, as soon as you start actually walking the walk, your human flesh throws a fit, right? As soon as you make that decision to actually do obedience, your flesh says, time out. Look, I could deal with you going to church. I could deal with you reading your Bible. I could deal with you going to parties and sticking your pinky out and regurgitating, multisyllabic words that are impressive to other morons. I could deal with all that. But no, 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 time out. We're not, no way, no way. I've got too many plans for you, big boy. Right? Too many plans for you, lady. We're we're calling time out. It it stops there. We're not actually going to live this thing. So your flesh goes crazy on you. And the kingdom of darkness sees what's going on in your life, sees like micro-adjustments, right? And if you've ever read, uh, read C.S. Lewis's screw Tape Letters, you know what I'm about to say. And the angels are like, uh-oh, right? They got like a little, like a, little, like a you know, five alarm fire. We got to get this one before they get too righteous on us. So what do they do? Next thing you know, oh, hey, big boy, you're pretty dashing. People don't talk like that anymore. I'm 52, <laughs> right? Obviously, I'm not in that game. Sorry. <laughs> you know what I'm getting at, right? The, the, the kingdom of darkness sends in every possible distraction. Usually, it's other people. Very often, who is it, DJ? The opposite sex. Almost every single time I've ever seen a train wreck, someone's doing good. Anytime I've ever seen someone derail, at least 90% of the time, there's an opposite sex involved. Not in the church either. But even sometimes in the church I've seen it too. You think Satan's dumb? It doesn't take much for that flesh to go berserko. And so that's what it does. It throws a hissy fit. When you actually try to move forward with practical obedience, when you try to do that thing, when you start to do that thing, I'm just telling you, beware. Satan's going to put someone or something, most likely it's someone, in your path strategically, to keep you from continuing on that vector trust me here's the borrowed principle from last week's blog up here on the board the practical road to peace the kingdom of darkness is designed to keep you from doing if you only think righteously but fail to do righteously you miss the blessing of abiding in the sphere of god experientially in many ways the kingdom of darkness will concede that. it's not really a threat if you're just internalizing things mentally. You're not actually living or walking by means of the Spirit. If you're just going through the motions. This is not a legalistic statement. Rather, encouragement to live and walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5.16. So my fear with contemporary Christianity... Is that many people are currently being fooled into thinking that mere mental assent is sufficient for peace. Take all that fierceness you just heard me say, and the giggles we had, and the silliness, and that like distaste for grotesqueness. It's not about that. That's just the that just builds that just amplifies what the Spirit's about to say. That just gives you all the ugliness, the substance behind why, say, the last five minutes of class on Sunday happened. It's not to beat people down. It's to get them thinking properly. To get them to break break their routines, break their old way of thinking, that just simply knowing what the right thing to do is sufficient to finding peace. But it isn't. You see, it isn't. It is not. It's never enough to simply know something is true. You have to live in that reality. You have to live in that reality. It's never enough just to simply know that something is true. Good place to start, but that's hardly the end. That's just the beginning. Case in point, with regards to the Spirit's emphasis as of late, you've got to live out God's commandments, starting with loving others, even if you don't like them. Jesus said, love your enemies, right? He said, geez, even unbelievers can love each other as long as they, you know, quote, have an affection for each other. Big deal. Whoa, big deal. Even they, they lend to each other. Wow. How about true love? Looks like this. Love your enemies. It right? doesn't mean you go hang out with them because there's a scripture that says if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. It's an objective love. You love them because of who you are. You love them the way Christ loved others. Not a whole lot to love in an unbeliever when you're the perfect one. You get what I'm getting at? You love them because of who you are. So you might have truly, and I don't mean physically, truly ugly people in your life. And the Lord says, love them. If you ever want true peace in your life, that's my command, you obey it, it leads to peace. That's my command, you obey it, it leads to peace. You shouldn't say, well, with disclaimers, well, I don't like that command, so... No, 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 it's a template. Jesus said, here's a command, obey it, you get peace. If you ever took, like, algebra in school, right? It doesn't, those are just variables. It doesn't matter. Here's a command, obey it, you get peace. Does it matter what the command was? Nope. It only matters that you obey it. But the president's an idiot. My husband's a jackass. So... Here's the command, obey it, you get peace. But they're my enemy, I can't stand them. Here's the command, obey it, you get peace. You see? That's how you should think. It's actually really simple. It actually makes life really simple because otherwise you're keeping tabs, right? You know how it goes, right? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You got the little, you know, top ring binder thing. In 1973, you wronged me. You still haven't earned back enough chits with my graces. So you get nothing. <laughs> you get, you, what are you going to have? A notebook? You're going to keep track of who your enemies are? You know, you're going to start keeping track of who's wronged you and who's transgressed you? Well, that was a really bad one. And this was really, well, my ex wife, she's such a witch. So, here's a command obey, you get peace. Any questions? There literally is no questions. You want peace in your life, I'm teaching it to you. It's literally that simple. Really easy to love people you care about, who you have affections for. Really easy. Unbelievers do it all the time. But if you want peace in your life, and the greatest command of all is to love. And Jesus Christ put a qualifier on it and says, love your enemies while you're at it and you want peace, you you see, it's that simple. You've got to live God's commandments if you ever want true peace in your life. And it starts with loving others, even the ones you don't like. Because if you can't love them, they haunt you, all right? If you can't get over them because they irritate you, because you can't love them enough to forgive them for their wrongdoings, Who suffers? They're sleeping like a baby. You're the idiot who's up all night hating on them. So my fear is that a lot of people say they want peace. I mean, if I was to say, raise your hand if you want peace, everybody in here would be like, not only do I want it, I need it. A lot of people say they want peace. But their choices, in other words, their doing, to borrow from James, say something entirely different. Yeah, 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 brother, I want peace. Yeah, brother, preach it. I want peace too. Well, where's the practical obedience then? Because that's what the Bible says. Don't be merely a hearer who deludes themselves. A perfect example is when as soon as a person receives a smidgen of peace, they find a new way to self-destruct, a new drama to use as the instrument to dig another pit for themselves. Strange that anybody would do that. But I don't know about you, but I see it happening all the time. That's why I call it dysfunction junction. It's the, it's it's strange. But people start getting peace. And they don't know what to do with themselves because it's outside of their norm, so it's outside of their comfort zone. So what do they do? They find the next tragedy. Very often in the the form of the opposite sex, of course, right? That seems to be the biggest one. People never seem to learn that ridiculousness. And so they remain in dysfunction junction. They start getting a little peace. And it freaks them out, and then the flesh is like, yeah, let's freak out. This is ridiculous. Got to get this guy off the vector, guys. Let's get him out of here. Let's get her out of here. And they go right back to dysfunction junction. They go right back, find a new drama, something else to perseverate on, something else to be self-absorbed over, something else to call up their friends over and bleed all over everybody. You know what I'm getting at, and I, that's why it's dysfunction junction. So this is the very antithesis of obedience because there's no love in it, certainly not for self. Up here on the board, why not the truth? A lot of people want to be lied to because they've been deceived into thinking that their life will be easier. Some of you right now are like, man, he's not yelling but this still stings, (laughs) right? that's how you know whether it was Sunday or this evening. You know that it's the Spirit. It's not Ed. Right? And shame on you if you thought Sunday was harsh and you looked at me and said, well, you know, that's, that's Ed. That was, that's ridiculousness. That's someone looking for an excuse. All I know is that a lot of people want to be deceived. Sunday's major theme, if you remember it, especially at the end, was this up here on the board, it's time to clean house, right? If I say to you right now, should you have a clean house, I'm talking about even your home, you're going to go back, should you have a clean house, most of you are going to say yes, right? Most of you are going to mentally agree, yes, that's a good idea. Then why is it not clean? Why is there so much bacteria and disease in your house? Why is it not clean? You know that's the right thing to do. I'm thinking of James 4.17, right? The one who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, that's a what? Sin. You know it's the right thing to do. Right between the ears, you know it's the right thing to do. Well, guess what? The Spirit's saying, if you know it's the right thing to do, then do it. Clean house. It's time to clean house house. And so after Sunday, you know, I, get, I always get some feedback from people. Often in moments like that, I call people, usually the leadership team, because I can trust them to tell me the truth. Um, you know, what about that? You know, what about the message on the board right now? It's time to clean house. Because I get the sense some of you were a little unsettled on Sunday because of the last five minutes of the message where I was basically frothing at the mouth, right? And again, folks, that's just the spirit trying to get your attention. If you weren't so stubborn, maybe I wouldn't have to do that. Please, can you stop being so stubborn? Because I like my vocal cords in my body, right where they're at, right? So it was, let's say, a little fierce. Up here on the board, Galatians 4.16. Have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? These are not my messages. You can hate on me all you want. I didn't ask for this job. Most of you know my history. I didn't ask for this job. I was ho-humming out there. he said, you, you're a pastor. Oh, no. (laughs) Really? Yep. Obey. You got it. Let's do this thing. It's your problem, not mine. I don't know how you're going to pull this one off, Lord, because you've seen me. You've seen my life. You've seen the stuff that goes through this sick head. You want me to stand by on a pulpit now? (laughs) Yep, I can use you because your heart is good. You have empathy because you're an idiot. The one who's forgiven much, what? Loves much. Well, let me tell you, I've been forgiven a lot, like a lot. And that's probably one of the reasons I'm here. Because I'm probably in many ways a bigger idiot than you could possibly fathom. But that's between me and the Lord. You submit. You obey. Have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Here's the encouragement we received on Sunday. I cannot believe we're almost out of time. Go to Psalm 37.4. Psalm 37.4, we're just going to get back to Proverbs 17, and then I've got to pick a spot. We're, almost, we're probably going to end up where we ended up on Sunday, without all the screaming. <laughs> hey, thank you for correcting course. Whatever you guys did over, you know, since the weekend, thank you. Because my voice is, I oh, it's like, yeah, right, you can actually talk to them tonight. Psalm 37, verse 4. So here's some encouragement from Sunday. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way. to That is literally tantamount, which means the same thing, as obeying. God says, I'm giving you commandments to keep you on the narrow road that leads to life, right? I'm going to keep you on that pathway. You just obey. You commit. You commit your way to the Lord. Trust in Him, and He will act. I don't know about you, friends, but look. If if I've got God telling me, do it my way, and I personally will act, or I've got anyone else in the history of humanity the person I've trusted I don't know the most ever said do it my way and I will act that's a joke that person is a joke compared to the Lord a joke my ways are not your ways my thoughts are not your thoughts Isaiah 55 8 I believe Who am I going to, look, I'm going to trust in him. Because he's omnipotent, he's sovereign, he's righteous, he's perfect. If he says he's going to act and all I have to do is commit to him, then I'm going to commit to his way. Some of you need to go like this. Click. They don't even have that anymore, do they? Cell phones, right? There's no clicking. What was that word I used earlier? Oh, see, Monica remembers it. I don't know what that means. Probably means I'm dashing. (laughs) You know what I'm saying. Some of you need to do this. Put the phone down. Leave your friends alone. Step back. Try to, you know, get yourself out of that pit. Take a good, deep look around. Breathe in God's beauty glory his creation Uh, live for others love everyone because of who you are see the big picture see the big picture trust in the lord that's the big picture he says i've got it all under control trust me you commit to me i will act on your behalf i will never leave you i will never forsake you My faithfulness to you is renewed every morning. I love you. Your response? Thanks, Dad. Thanks, Dad. Amen? All right, let's borrow it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this evening, for bringing us together as family. Thank you for truth. Though it cuts deep sometimes, Father, we know that it's for our own good, and we are so grateful for it. We just ask for your blessings as we take the things we've learned. Back to the privacy of our own souls, our families, our marriages. And then your will be done out to a world that needs the truth so desperately. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit we do pray. Amen. Thank you.